Welcome, everybody, to another edition of We Talk Photo, uh, the podcast about landscape, nature, and all sorts of other stuff, photography. I'm one of your hosts, John Peterson, and with me, as always, is Mr. Jack Graham. Morning, Jack. John, how are you? It's a great morning, nice and clear, starting to warm up, the buds are coming out, and yep. we're getting there. Yeah, I was out admiring the daffodils this morning, and... Uh, it's sure sure feeling like spring, and I'm uh, I think going to head out and go to the mountains tomorrow and go getting some snow. I'm not quite done with winter yet. Yeah, we had little dusting yesterday. You're correct. Yeah, yeah. It's still winter's still here for at least another month, and uh, even though the flowers are starting to tell us otherwise, the uh, tulip season is starting, and the tulip festival here in Oregon is kicking off uh, this weekend. So that should be a madhouse. Well, you got to get up there and. We have it up in Skagit, so yeah, it's all every, good. You know, every year I go shoot the tulips, and every year I vow never to go back because of the people. Just so many people down yeah. there, and it's not a pleasant experience. But the images that I come home with are, I think, enough to keep bringing me back. And uh, so I might find myself yep. in the tulip fields next week. We'll see. Well, today, folks, we have uh, another wonderful guest for you, and uh, this is kind of continuing on our theme of Pacific Northwest photographers. Uh, last episode, we had Scott Smoron, who's uh, uh, from the Portland area, but a great Northwest photographer. And today, we have a gentleman who has been producing some amazing work of landscape and nature of the Pacific Northwest. And uh, his work is is just incredible in the, in the thoughtful way he composes his images and his use of color and his, his ability to transport the viewer into these images. So with that, with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Erwin Buskey. Erwin, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, welcome, Erwin. Yeah, thanks, Pleasure John. Pleasure to have you. Yeah. Yeah, so Erwin's, yeah, I, um, go ahead. So Ir- Ir- Irwin's up out of uh, Washington. Uh, actually, lives really close to Jack. Yeah. Where... I... No, go ahead, Irwin. Yeah. We're about we're about twenty miles, maybe something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm out of uh, Renton, Washington. I live in the, the community of uh, Fairwood, which is uh, nestled right underneath the Cascade foothills. Uh, so I have great access. Just uh, completed the hike with my wife this morning. We just you know, got up and walked across the street and uh, did about a two-hour hike uh, up to a little mountain called Echo Mountain. So I feel really blessed that uh, have that uh, kind of close proximity to nature. That's that's the thing for us in the that's Northwest. Yeah, I mean, we're so fortunate and so blessed up here in the Northwest to, to have the landscapes that we have. I mean, for, for both of us in Portland and Seattle, I mean, it's... You know, it's an hour to the beach. It's, you know, half an hour or to an hour to the mountains. The desert's close by. Rainforests. I mean, we have everything here up in the Northwest. We got it all. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. It's uh, And that's probably why a lot of uh, really awesome landscape photographers happen to be up in the Northwest. You, you, you keep this up, John. <laughs> There's going to be too many people here. Hey, Erwin. <laughs> Erwin, would you agree with me? It, it rains every day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's miserable. It's just terrible. I mean, would you want to live? I wouldn't want, I'm, I, I, it's horrible. I mean, I, I wouldn't move here. I'd 
stay in wherever you live. I mean, it's just a horrible place. Tempe. So. Yeah. So, Erwin. I don't know where John. I don't, I don't know where John gets this yeah. beauty from. But. I was reading a guidebook <laughs> once about the Northwest. So, Erwin, yeah. why don't you tell folks? Why don't you give everybody a little background about uh, where you came from and how did you how did you get into photography? Okay, sure. Uh, well, I, I really loved backpacking and hiking pretty much all of my life. So that was really the gateway for me to uh, for the experience of nature. Is I would I would take uh, weekly backpacks uh, every opportunity that I got, and uh, some of them were quite elaborate, hiking in ten, twelve miles, uh, spending a night or two. Pretty much, my brother and I, and a, you know, a friend, we would do that pretty much every week. And uh, you know, it was from that experience which uh, drew me very close to nature that I, at some point, decided that I really wanted to share uh, part of this experience with with other people. So I, you know, got a camera, a thirty five millimeter film camera, and started taking pictures. And uh, then I started. Uh, wanting to share those pictures, you know, and back then it was the, the primary way of sharing them was through slideshows. Uh, so uh, once a year I'd have a slideshow, I'd invite a bunch of people over to the house. And for many years that, that was really um, how I uh, conducted photography. I really wasn't in the mode of uh, having photography as a business or conducting workshops or anything like that. I was, I was really happy just, just with sharing with friends and family, uh, uh, but um, yeah, with, with time, uh, you know, social media came along, and uh, I started sharing a few pictures on Facebook, and I found out that I there's quite a few people out there that that really liked what I was what I was presenting, and uh, you know, one of the, the the comments I frequently got was that. Uh, that even when I'm going to some of these iconic sites, that I, I seem to uh, be able to capture it in a way that others weren't um, weren't um, you know capturing it in the same way. And, and I, I think part of that is that you know when I when I'm going out into the field, I'm, I'm really expressing uh, my um, uh, how how, the, how I'm connected to the scene as an individual. Uh, you know, who I am as a person. Uh, at, at least at that point, I wasn't trying to emulate uh, some of the other photographers out there. Uh, you know, the photography process to me was a, an excellent counterbalance to my work life at Boeing. Uh, I'm a retired now, but uh, I, I worked as a procurement cost analyst. It was a you know a pretty sterile environment in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and you really, you know, to maintain one's sanity, you really had to have some kind of a counterbalance. And for mm -hmm. me, that was nature and that was photography. Uh, you know, then, you know, with the social media, uh, you know, I, I, like a lot of people, I think, it, you know, when I, when I first got rolling on that, uh, I, I was somewhat um, taken out of my element and, you know, chasing some of these popular scenes and what other people were doing. But that didn't last too long in my case. Uh, you know, I, I, eventually, I, I kind of saw that uh, that was uh, r really not what people wanted to see from me and it's not what I wanted to express. Uh, so, uh, you know, then I came back to uh, uh, a more of an intimate connection with nature, 
where um, yeah, sure I'm trying to capture uh, what is out there in the scene in a representational, somewhat representational way, but I'm also trying to blend that with I am a, as a person, the emotions I'm feeling uh, at the time, doing it in a more thoughtful way. Yeah. Another, you know, what I heard you say there, too, you know, this is just another example and another lesson of shoot for yourself and shoot, shoot what moves you. And yes. you, you'll generally create better images if you're shooting for yourself and, and shooting from the heart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's. It, yeah, it's all about knowing who we are as a person and uh, not being afraid to uh, express that uh, because people want to see that. You know, a lot of times it. You know, Erwin, I always tell the story. Um, John's probably sick of hearing this, and my workshop people might be sick of hearing this too. But you know, um, when we do the Oregon Coast, we do the landscapes and the sunrises and all that good stuff, and then we take them into one of the harbors um, to do some tight work and learn how to see a little bit, you know. And uh, I came back one day with an image of rusted chains. So I'm processing this image. My wife walks in, and she says, what in the world? Why would you ever want to take a picture of rusted chains? And I said, Linda... I love you to death, but I wasn't thinking about you when I took this photograph. <laughs> and I mean, your attitude is is what makes your work what it is. And John's one hundred percent correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so sometimes it takes, you know, like you mentioned, there, there's a certain amount of risk in that. But uh, I, I think we all know those scenes that uh, in nature that really resonate with us, you know. And if we can kind of get out of the mode of uh, uh, trying to uh, you know please uh, what we, what what may be uh, what others want to see at more of a level of uh, what's popular in the social media and, and tune in more to uh, you know what uh, our flashes of perception you know what what seem what we seem to be drawn to at, at any given moment uh, that we're, we're much better off. And, you know, that takes a, a certain amount of discipline and training and practice to do that. You know, the, the more one stays with it and gets out there and shoots and shoots in that manner, the, the easier it becomes. Well, it, it, it also takes self-awareness, you know, and, and yes, being in yeah. tune with yourself and knowing what triggers and sparks your creativity and being able to tap into that. And, you know, I tell you, yeah. the last uh, there, there's a couple of funny times just during some of the last workshops I was doing that, that everybody's looking over it at this iconic shot and I'm looking the absolute other direction because yeah. some, something over there has got my interest and I'm, I don't care about the icon over there. I'm, I'm shooting some little detail in, in the absolute uh, other direction. Cause that's what moves yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And John, John, having said that, I mean, I hear you and I do the same thing, but I also, I don't mind, shooting the iconic shot as long as you can do it in a different way. Maybe you want to do a yeah. vertical panel or a different angle or what have you. And, um, you know, if you're just learning the craft, I, I have no problem with having people trying to go recreate um, one of Galen Rowland's images to learn from it, not yeah. to put it up on your wall. Learn from it. I, I and, think that, that's... 
that's part of being, uh, you know, knowing who you are and being self-aware is that uh, you, you don't worry so much about whether it's an icon or whether it's no. you know, something that someone has not, never photographed before. Not at all. Both, both can work. It's, it's really you're just you're just expressing who you are as a person and trying to connect uh, that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Erwin, you, you, you do workshops, you know, you're yes. like John and I, I mean, you do workshops and if you've got clients coming from, you know, Oklahoma or Iowa, Ohio, New York, Florida, you know, when they come out here and you take them, you know, you take them up to um, now the Olympic Peninsula. Okay. They're going to want to shoot the whole rainforest. And they're sure. going to take that one, take that walk, you know, through the Hall of Mosses. Yeah. And they're going to want to recreate those shots that everybody's done. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's okay. They're going to yeah. do it anyhow. Well, they, yeah, they can exactly. walk around and say, well, I'm not going to take the iconic shot, but guess what? They all are because yeah. that's human nature. So I, tell, I always tell them, get out of your system. Do it. You have it. You can yeah. do what you want with it. You're going to do it anyhow. Now let's uh, play around and try to be a little bit more creative. But also you know? your yeah. point too, Jack, you know, emulation is a great tool for learning. Not recreation, but emulation. Yep. You know, it's done in music, yep. art, photography, yeah. everything to emulate the masters as a way to learn. And it's a, it is a great tool. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Erwin, what uh, great discussion? Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, kind of along that same vein that, you know, you've, you do a lot of writing on your blog and all folks, I'll post a link to Irwin's website up on the, um, we talk photo webpage, but you know, you do a lot of great writing. And, and one of the things that, one of the things I sense from you is a real connectedness to the landscape and to nature. And, and you try to bring that connectedness through your images. Yes. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I like the blog also, because I find that uh, if we both, if we take an image and then we write something about it, the story, uh, you know, how, how that image took, place uh, in the context of your life the you know what you were aware of at the time that uh, that um, that that both of those kind of go into the process of creation so um, I, I really love you know matching the words with the images uh, you know it's it's we, we, we all do that to a certain extent on social media we write a little bit about the image but when we take it to a, a, a more you know, expanded uh, 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 writing, uh, like like in a blog, I think that that can really take our thoughts uh, to a, a level where people can really kind of get into what our thought process was uh, and understand uh, much better uh, what was going on in your head at the time. Uh, yeah, blogging, uh, I think it, it, it's a great tool. And, uh, you know, I, I've tried to, to orient it around different topics uh, you know, like I, the last one I just uh, wrote about was uh, uh, the way of Zen the love of photography um, uh, in the love of photography love of nature and the love of photography uh, and then I was um, you know, I, I probably spent about a year thinking about those topics and and, and I knew that this was the blog post that I wanted to write so as I went out into the field uh, you know a lot of these experiences uh, that uh, seem to um, coincide with some of the uh, what I was thinking about at the time, 
became images. So the you know the, the blog post it probably took me about a year to to write that particular one, and some of the others are about the same way. Um, it, it, it really really allows you to uh, to really explore these these subjects in in a in a depth that we don't often see in the, you know in just in the, a, in the a quick paragraph hit social media. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'll even I'll even go a step further and and putting words around whether they're verbal or written putting words around your images i think is a great another great tool for learning and and further mm -hmm. refining your vision you know oftentimes yes. I'll, I'll talk to students and and look at a composition and say what are you what are you trying to what what are you trying to say what are you trying to tell with this image and you know it could be just i just want to take a pretty picture show everybody what it's like or i want to you know, tell a story of, 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 um, cold and dreary and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever descriptive words you want to use. And I'll look at the composition and go, you know what, I'm not getting that feeling from this comp. Let's, you know, maybe change it up. And the, the same thing happens with me is I try to verbalize what, mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do in an image. And it really makes me look at my image in a different way when you start to yeah, get it, out of your head and get it out into the world, it's like, Ooh, yeah. I said some words that don't really match the vibe of my picture. Yeah. It's just all part of the process of creation. Yeah. And I think that if, if we're really honest about it, uh, our intentions going in are not necessarily the same thing as, uh, you know, what, what comes out the other end. You know, we, we learn as we go, uh, our story changes, uh, you know, thoughts, uh, how we feel about uh, what we were doing. It, it's, it's a dynamic process. Uh, and, you know, and, that, and that, that, that's OK. We don't this it doesn't have to be something that's very deliberate. You know, we decide exactly the kind of a shot we're going to take, how we're going to go about taking it in the story that we're going to write. You know, this, Even this before is, you a, left this the is house. almost like. <laughs> Right. This is more autobiographical. You know, it's yeah. it's something that it's more of a process uh, tapping into that direct experience uh, uh, at the time. Uh, who knows what that direct experience is going to be? You know, it, yeah. you know, sure, we have an intention going in, but uh, when we actually get out into the field, it may be something quite different. And yeah. it's, it's yeah, you can't do that. till you get you can't you, you got to get to where you're going because you can go to the same place three different times and three different lighting conditions or weather or seasons and the story is going to be different. But um, pretty much every time I take a photograph before I uh, produce it, I mean, you know, we keyword, we keyword images of those of you who use keywords in Lightroom or whatever. I think when you look at a scene, you, you need to keyword what you're seeing and develop the story. Every image has got to have, if they don't have a story or something going on, it's just going to be, you know, it could be green. It doesn't need to be a mountain. It could be a color. It could be, be green. something that's right. You got to have a story. Yeah. yeah and, but, you, you know, you take that visual inventory, as Guy Tal calls it, um, in the field. And you say, well, here's this and here's that and here's what I want to do and here's why this interests me and here's what I want to bring out. And by doing that, you kind of eliminate all the extraneous stuff that can take away from 
what you're trying to do. But I think you have to, you know, a story can be different every time you go to, to a, 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 the same location. But I think you have to have an idea what you're doing when you're there. Oh, I, I, um, I, I agree with that. But I also think that, um, you know, for us to really tap into uh, the experience at the time at a more intuitive level, that to a certain extent, we, we got to get out of our heads, got to get out of our conceptual thoughts about what is out in that scene and uh, and let the scene uh, speak to us. You know, we're in nature. Yeah, that's why, that's why I, I, I bet, Erwin, we talked about this with our previous uh, uh, podcast. I guarantee that you don't really probably prepare a lot before you go somewhere. You let it happen. I, I, let, I let it happen. I, mm-hmm. I, have, I have a notional yep. idea of what I want to do. I don't just go out there uh, well, without, without any sense whatsoever. I mean, I, I know where I'm going. I, I know a few things yep. I want to photograph. But but usually the yep. photographs come from something quite a bit different than what my intentions were. And I think part yep. of that process and ability to do that is we, we got to kind of uh, shut out in a lot of ways, uh, the filters of our minds that are, uh, that are uh, asking us to do certain things and be a little bit more receptive to what's actually out there at the time. Yep. And, and that's, that's, a, notions. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of a discipline and a practice that doesn't come easily for most people. I mean, it didn't come yeah. easily for me, but, but over time, uh, uh, you know, you, you spend more time in nature, you know, without expectations, without maybe getting a, a camera, you know, just well, walking through the woods. And event, eventually uh, the, 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 those kind of conceptual filters that are kind of limiting your created creativity start to dissolve. And then you're, you're more free to be creative and to uh, tap into what you are feeling, how how you are intuiting that scene at the time. You know, so. Well, kind of kind of jumping back yeah. to to social media and the you know the person from Oklahoma, you know when they come out here, they already have massive preconceived notions of of what they want to shoot and what they want it to look yeah. like because they've yeah. seen so many beautiful images of of the Hoe or Multnomah Falls or you know the Balsam Root or whatever it may be and. And uh, it's really difficult to let go of those preconceived notions and just be in the moment and, and right. let it happen. Because um, right. we're, we're bombarded with amazing visual imagery on social media. And uh, mm. it, it's hard to not have those as expectations. So, yeah, to your point, Erwin, it's, it's a conscious effort to let go of all that stuff. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. why we see it so much on social media. Yeah, we, we, there's probably like maybe 20 or 30 scenes that I, I see just repeatedly. You know, every time I look at uh, one of the popular social media sites, you know, it's like uh, maybe it's Palouse Falls. And it's all basically uh, the same perspective, the same approach. Um, you know, part of that is because that's that's. You know, kind of like the natural way to photograph it when you when you get up there, it, you know, even if you didn't know about that scene before in social media, you probably would gravitate to a certain perspective because it just seems to flow from the scene. You know, anyone that's familiar with wide angles would probably gravitate to that. But but part of it also is uh, trying to copy what what other people are doing. So. Uh, you know, there's there's that one, the Tipsil Lake, uh, you know, the the arches in the Arches National Park. You, know, you see it again and again and yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jack, Jack and I oftentimes joke 
it was seriously, but joke about this whole concept of uh, uh, pre-visualization. You know, and how do you how do you mm-hmm. how do you pre-visualize something? Either you either visualize it or you don't, and it, there's uh-huh. no, there's, there's kind of no pre about it. But but that whole concept of pre-visualization of shots. Uh, you know, in talking with Scott in the in the last episode, you know, it shuts uh-huh. you off from yeah. being open to other compositional ideas. Right, right. Yeah. Now, I, I can see using the pre-visualization approach. I mean, I'm not, like, totally against it. I think there are certain situations where that's exactly what you want to do. I mean, if you have a highly prescriptive way of getting a shot, and that's what you're going to have to to do and you know you're gonna have to kind of calculate you know how many pictures i need to get it properly focused act and get the dynamic range right and you know do all these different things but uh, i i don't think that that should be the main course of one's photography i think that if you really want to open up the 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 creative um, window to a much more expanded field that yet you have to get out of that uh you know do it do some of that but you know, uh, you know, open up the mind to the uh, a world of possibilities that uh, that goes beyond you know that type of photography. Yes. Yeah, well, so well, if you've been in this game, you've been in this, you've been in this game, you've been in this game long enough. You're going to find out, and you you guys know this, and I'm sure many of our listeners do. You know, early in our I guess careers. Um, we had an idea of what was going to happen, where it was going to happen, <laughs> and we went. And guess what? <laughs> it, the light wasn't the same, or the conditions yeah. <laughs> weren't the same. And and you better be able to adapt. How many times have you run a workshop and somebody flies all the way out to wherever, and you know it's supposed to be snowing and great and everything, and you get there and they blew the weather forecast and it's sunny and it's you you get to the whole rainforest and it's sunny out. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, we were you up there and it was you, 90 you degrees. Better, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had four days of bold sky one yeah. time in Forks. So, I mean, forget it. But right. we adapted. Yeah. And, right. you, you know, yeah, I mean, everybody had an idea what was going on. But if you, if you had your mind in that zone, you came away with nothing and you weren't receptive to being able to adapt. Right. Yeah, just like every pitcher tells a story, uh, every kind of uh, condition and environment is ripe for a pitcher. It's just, uh, yes, yep. uh, look at the world a little bit differently and uh, go with go with the flow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, Erwin, yeah. you know, we're not a, we're not not necessarily a, we don't really focus on gear in this podcast, but just curious what uh, you're shooting these we days. We don't. No, not really. <laughs> no. Sorry, Jack. That must I, be another. Uh, I just thought if you bought the bought, bought the most expensive camera, man, that's all you need to do. Yeah, I, I get that question so much in social media. Is it? What kind yeah. of gear do you use? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of what camera do you uh, use to take that picture? And what were your? Erwin, <laughs> I do a I do a I do a uh, a talk um, for the Fuji Film folks about uh, seeing and you know everything that has nothing to do with you know with gear and right. what have you then i do my q a and the first question is what filter do you use <laughs> <laughs> you know? anyhow uh john right. go ahead and take it away we, we will talk a little bit about what or what you're using here yeah so I, 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 
Currently, I use a couple of cameras. I use the um, my the, the main camera I use is the Sony A7R4, which is a six, I believe, sixty-one megapixel. So it, it has a lot of resolution, which I find is is a good thing because frequently I'll I'll crop the photo, or I'll, I'll use the ability to crop the photo as um, a way to, to to reduce the number of lenses that I need to take out in the field because I'm doing a lot of hiking out in the field uh, i do a lot of backpacking and, and weight really does matter so i got to be really selective about which lenses i take with me uh the the two that i probably get the most use are um the sony uh 28 16 to 35 which is a wide angle then i have an ultra light uh, tamron which just came out uh, about a half a year ago only weighs a pound, and it's 70 to 300. Wow. Um, uh, and I find the quality of that is actually better than, than the equivalent Sony lens. It was only a $500 lens, which was quite amazing. <laughs> hmm. But those are the two that I use the most. I also have – I also use a standard lens, a 24 to 105. Uh, it's an F4. doesn't weigh too much, and it, it doubles as a pretty good macro lens. So I can kind of keep the weight down that way, too. And on any trip that I take, I, I usually try to only take two lenses. Uh, so sometimes it might be a standard and, and a telephoto zoom. Other times it might be a wide angle and a standard lens. It, it really kind of depends on the situation. Then I have a whole host of other lenses that are that are really more specialty lenses that I use infrequently, but there are situations where I need them. I have a Canon uh, uh, tilt-shift lens, and uh, I have uh, several macro lenses, one lens baby lens, and uh, um, they all get used, but they don't always end up in my bag. Yeah, yeah, not standard. Well, good. That's good. Um, one of the things that really struck me, uh, or continues to strike me, but but in looking at your website and looking at all of your images, um, two two things actually that strike me is really your use of bold colors, number one, mm -hmm. and then number two, how consistent you are across all of your images in terms of look and feel from a from a processing perspective. I think you've really gotten it down to a, a really good kind of signature style that this is Irwin. It's cool. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do I do like color. Um, you know, it's possible to go over the top with too much color, and I try to make them bold and vibrant, but not go so far as, you know, to render the colors uh, unrealistic. Um you know, in some of the images, it's, it's more of a muted palette. Um, I'll probably be doing more more of that in the future. Uh, but 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 color does speak to me. You know, you know, you know the, how how the, the different colors affect our mood, and uh, I try to uh, to get a consistent representation of the world as I experience it uh, in in the in the mode of color throughout my images, and uh, have developed a processing style that I think. That that kind of maintains that kind of consistency that, that, that you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. What, what software do you use in processing? Uh, or what? Uh, I, it's primarily I use a, you know, I start Adobe camera raw and uh, then I move to Photoshop. Uh, but I, I use um, Luminar as a plugin. So that might be part of the, the look that you're talking about. Uh, I find that it works great as a plugin 
I, I just use a few of their the filters that they have, uh, along with um, NIK. I use a few of their filters uh, that um, in the NIK software, and I also use uh, RyaPro for uh, the luminosity mask. Virtually all my images, to some degree, have some kind of a luminosity uh, mask adjustment. Um, primarily mm -hmm. to control contrast. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I used to do a lot of exposure blending, but I find that, you know, with the Sony cameras now that um, Nikon's too far as that go, uh, probably Canon by now is, you know, that, you know, one image is usually good enough. But, but if I do need to do more than one image, I use the, the luminosity mass to help blend the images also. So. Well, your uh, Sony camera, I'm not so sure. I, I'm not sure if they have it. They may. Uh, you know, on our Fujis, we have uh, we're able to control shadow tone a bit um, uh -huh. that that we've never been able to do before, and and I, I I use that quite a bit, and rarely, and I do some stacking in helicon focus. You know, when I'm doing some macro work, but rarely do I have to deal with multiple images for right. exposure anymore you know and right you know these new these new digital cameras they're a lot more forgiving than than film if you remember that right you know. right I, i'm finding the same thing and uh, the, the only the only problem that i have sometimes if i do it in one that if you do if you uh, uh, blow it up to 100% and you look at the, the noise levels in the blacks and the shadows, you will see more noise than if you, if you did a yeah. blended, yep. blended image. Yeah. I would uh, agree. Yeah, that, that's the only drawback, but you just have to kind of ask yourself, is it really worth the extra effort? Because uh, you know, blending images introduces a whole bunch of other problems, too. So, uh, Especially when you have a camera like yours that the files are relatively big. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're probably pushing a gig over a gigabyte on each each yeah, blended yeah. image. Yeah, easy. Right, right. Yeah. But I, I'm, I've, I don't really process all that many of my images when I go out in the shoot. You know, probably between one and three, you know, kind of make it to the point where I'm presenting them to the public. You know, on any given day, I I don't go out there and post. 20 pictures, you know, so I can, I can kind of manage my, um, files that way, but I, I do have a lot of, uh, I got this Puget systems computer with, uh, you know, like 10 hard drives in it yeah, that are about <laughs> eight terabytes each. You know, so. Yeah. yeah you need my desktop looks like you need it. Yeah. Yeah. This day and age. So Erwin, let me change gears a little bit. So you, uh, you teach workshops, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah primarily, primarily, um, Primarily one-on-one uh, -on -one workshops. Uh, I think I've distinguished myself somewhat in that uh, I do offer people the opportunity to um, for an apprenticeship, and I do that a couple of ways. Uh, one one is like a yearly program where I charge them a, a fee for, for for working with me for a year. I take them out on uh, three uh, workshops out in the field, and uh, I also have. Um, as part of the apprenticeship program, especially in the when we were in the pandemic and, and with the COVID is uh, monthly check-ins. We do those over Zoom. They last about an hour, hour and a half. We've been able to accomplish quite a bit, you know, just by that kind of checking in once a month. 
Um, the apprenticeship, I think, uh, one of the advantages of that is that uh, you know a typical workshop is kind of like an in and out thing. You know, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, it works great while you're in it. You know, you learn some things, but but then it comes to an end. Uh, to to develop some of these skills that we're talking about, a more thoughtful, mind, mindful approach to photography and some of these uh, processing skills, it, it really does, people really do benefit from working, you know, over a longer period of time. So most of my clients are actually, um, have been with me for, you know, a year or more. And uh, so it's a little bit different, I think, than um, what some of the other workshop um, conductors may be offering. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jack, that's you a good answer? idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It looks like you know. So you've got a lot of great locations up in the Northwest, um, which which is awesome. I mean, going back to what a what a beautiful area we have, and uh, I I have a couple of folks that I work with on a monthly basis as well, and and I can completely agree with what you were saying about this sort of ongoing continuing education is so valuable for folks to participate in because you know we all evolve as artists and you learn one Mm -hmm. thing and then that opens up some doors and then you need to learn some other things and it just keeps going and going and going and so having a having a connection with some continuing education is is one of the best tools for growing your own creative skills and, and vision. Yeah, I agree. And it, 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 I still learn like, from my clients. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That, that that's what well, I, I don't that, learn anything from John, but I learned from my clients. So quite a bit. <laughs> that, that's when I know that they're, they're they maybe nearing the end of their apprenticeship is that, you know, I start to look at their images and, and I'm learning more from, from them, then and I think I'm teaching them. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. We're kind of coming. Uh, you know, I, I, I should give this away, but I, you know, sometimes when I'm doing these talks, you know, I go out and I'm standing up there. It could be ten people, or it could be a couple hundred people. And I'll look out and I'll tell everybody. I said, you know, I want to thank you all for inviting me here because I'm a really great photographer. <laughs> and then they look at you like you're crazy, and I go, the only problem is. Within about ten miles of here now, there's probably a couple hundred really great photographers. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could be a you could be a housewife or a a, a, a PhD. It doesn't matter. You know, people are taking really good photographs these days if they go about their business the right way and hone their craft. You know, it's yeah. yeah. Used to be nobody could outshoot the workshop leader, but boy, I tell you what. Uh, these days that's flipped on its head yeah well you You know know. Erwin I liked one of your there's a statement um, in sort of your bio page or a couple of statements it's we are all born with a potential to be creative and we can all learn to be creative and I believe that yeah kind of going back to Jack's part about it doesn't matter who you are and what you are I think I think that's an innate ability within us is to be creative and we just have to tap into that. Yeah. Isn't it amazing when somebody walks up and says, man, how did you see that? You know, how did you, and I, I don't see like you see. And, and my answer is, well, you could learn to do that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, <clears throat> John will tell you, we have had this discussion many times. 
I, I don't believe people are born with stuff. That's just me. I, when people say, oh, you were born, you're a great pianist. Boy, you must have been born with that skill to be a pianist. That's a bunch of baloney. Right. If you work hard and practice and get good, it may take a, a number of years, but you can learn to do this stuff. You just have to be dedicated and love what you do and, and work at it. Right. Well, in, in a sense, we, we were born creative, but all of us were born creative, you know, and uh, along the way, you know, we, we've, we've lost our ability to be creative for a number of reasons. You know, we've uh, convinced ourselves that uh, that we're not creative. There's that inner critic that's out there saying that, uh, the, uh, or the censor that's saying that we're not creative. Uh, we learn some things that uh, that uh, take us out of that creative mode. And you know, part of what uh, being creative is re- kind of getting back to that more childlike sense of spontaneity. And correct. Uh, and you know, so in that sense, we are all born creative but correct. all of us are <laughs> yeah. correct 100 percent correct yeah wow well john um you know I, 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 one i mean i always ask this and it's a, it, again i apologize to scott in our last podcast but i'm going to ask, ask you the same thing um tell us a, yeah, without if there's some areas you don't want to talk about, I get that because I, I have some areas I don't like to talk about. But where do you like to go? I mean, where do you, you know? Do you have a favorite place that you like to just just go back to a number of times to try to find different things? It could be up here. It could be anywhere. Just give, give us some of your favorite uh, favorite locations if you if you feel like it. Oh yeah, no, no problem. Uh, my my favorite locations, uh, I, I would say, uh, well, number one is actually Deception Pass um, State Park, which is you know a fairly <laughs> modest park, you know, just north of um, uh, Seattle, out by uh, Woodby Island. Uh, yep. But it, you know, it's very convenient to me. I can uh, I can go to it year round. You know, it has a wonderful shoreline where there's all these uh, sea stacks and inlets and outlets, and there's just so much material for photography that I can capture that year round. So that's where I conduct a lot of my uh, private one-on-one workshops. Uh, is there uh, another place that I really like is the Middle Fork of the Snoqualmie River, which is uh, probably about 40 minutes from my house. You know, very close. Again, it's you know mm-hmm. something I can kind of go to. You know, on a very you know just on a moment's notice, I can decide to go out there. Uh, it's a very lush uh, rainforest type area with craggy peaks that rise from the the river basin. A uh, lot of different trails in there. Um, some of which are kind of uh, not very well known. So I go there year-round. These are both places I go year-round. Uh, now, I also love to go to the North Cascades National Park. Uh, there's just something about it that really uh, um, I can really connect with. Um, that's that's more of a summer activity. I mean, the road's even closed in the wintertime, the, the U.S. 20, the, the, the highway that goes through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just love the fall colors, uh, the warm tones, uh, uh, like the late September, the early o- October time period. The large trees turn a, a wonderful golden orange. I, I just love it up there. Um, I do a lot of, I take a lot of trips to um, Mount Rainier. I mean, it's not that far from my house. It's about 90 minutes from my house. Uh, it's been shot to death 
you know, so I'm, I'm not quite as keen on that as some of these other places I just talked about, but, but I still love it. Um, I probably go there six, seven times a year, at least, uh, to Mount Rainier. Uh, then probably the final place that I, I go to a lot, it's a little bit more of an investment in time for me, but I just, I feel so drawn to it, uh, with all the variety of scenery and, the, and really the Pacific Northwest feel to the place. And that's, uh, the, the Olympic Peninsula and the Olympic National Park. Mm-hmm. I just got back from there yep. and uh, I really love that place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jack. But, uh, North Cascades is probably the most under-photographed national park, I think, in the country. It, it's yeah. a little bit, you know, it's not the most accessible, and it, it's seasonal, but um, and you got to walk a little bit when you get up there. But it, it's, right. a, it's a really great area, and it's not crowded. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some really, if you're really into to put in some major miles and do some backpack and you can get into areas mm-hmm. there that you, you, you hardly see anyone photograph. It's just too much work getting there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. Sure. That's true. Well, Erwin, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show mm-hmm. today and getting to know more about you and having you uh, be exposed to a little bit more of our listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, yeah, and maybe and somebody will somebody will hear you and say, you know, I need to do a workshop with that guy. We're, you know, John <laughs> and I both do workshops, but we're we're uh, we're of the opinion that there's plenty of room for good workshop leaders. And you know, if you if you if you keep doing stuff, I think you'll have to learn from a lot of people. It's good to yeah. Yeah. to assimilate information from a lot of people if you're yeah. Yeah, maybe one day your craft. Maybe one day I'll take a workshop from from you guys. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm in the feelings mutual. You know, yeah. maybe you watch where watch where we are. You want to come hang out? You, you know, you're a professional. We'll give you the professional discount, which is a ten percent higher than what we charge. No, I'm like, <laughs> um, you want to come hang out for a day or two? I think I don't think John have a problem with that. Yeah. Just okay. just let us know you want to come do it. And, once and we'd love I to try, meet you and see you. Be fun. Well, yeah, once a year I try to get out with uh, um, uh, another professional photographer, and uh, you know, I, I find it's 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 a, it's a good experience, you know, to see well, how other people approach it, and uh, you know, it's it's we never stop learning, you know. Yeah. The day we stop, yeah, learning, you know, give this it's up. a great idea. I, we rarely see each other um, socially. I, I see my professional friends I see them in the field you know Tony Sweet and I always kid each other we never see each other except once or twice a year in the Smokies or somewhere um, you know Don Smith I run into Don every year in the Tetons almost at sunrise we you know we got it, it's it's really a shame because that's where we see each other um, uh, you know or uh, we're doing some kind of a convention camera club thing or something and you run into some other people but we we love to have you, um, and everybody, you know, again, check out Irwin's uh, work and and uh, what he's doing because he's doing it the right way. And uh, thank you so much. It was an thank honor to have so you with us. It was an honor to be here. I really appreciated uh, having me on the show. You betcha. John, you want to do the closeout? Sure. Uh, the closeout? Sure. So, so with that, just a reminder, you know, if you guys uh, – 
Erwin, what's your what's your exact website URL? It's www.erwinbuskey.com. It's B-U-S-K-E is his last name. Yes. And that's Erwin with an I. No, it's Erwin with an E. E. Oh, good thing I E-R-W-I-N-B-U-S-K-I-E.com. K-E-U-S-K-E. Yep. So, so um, check out his work. Uh, look for links on our wetalkphoto.com webpage. As a reminder, always, um, if you guys have any questions, comments, want to hear from somebody else, send us an email at wetalkphoto at gmail.com. Um, share this podcast out. Subscribe, like it, do whatever. Um, just keep keep supporting us, and we'll keep giving you some great content. So with that, I want to thank both of you guys for being with me this morning. I think I'm going to go out and enjoy the sunshine. I'm going to go walk the dog along the river. All right. <laughs> yep. And Erwin, you just got back from a hike, right, so guys. you're going to relax. Yep. yep. I'm going to process yep. a few photos this afternoon. Sounds great. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.